spidey senses tingling. He is certified in two states in this lovely United uh, in animal husbandry. He's also the host of this very Paper Keg Show, episode 204. Welcome, friends. Welcome back to the show. The all-new, all-different Paper Keg, episode 204. Three fathers. They get together. They make time somehow. Barely. To read books. Maybe they just finished before the show on the couch. You know? Who can say? Marvel Comics. The Nam. Making his grand return from Paper Keg Sabbatical. He's a writer. You know, there's not much more else to know. He's also a father. He's really running and gunning on that Jawbone Up app. Running and gunning. Jawbonesy, welcome back to the show. Uh, welcome back. You know, guys, I just wanted to thank you, uh, three original hosts, you... Uh, Dale and Amanda for letting me, you know, I feel like I've, I've been lis- a listener so long that I've kind of been a host of the show in my own mind, and for you guys to do unprecedented, let Amanda step down for one night for me to guest host with you guys, I just, I can't be more grateful to the opportunity you've given me, and I, uh, I really appreciate it, thanks for having me. <laughs> so gracious and humble to uh, step in on uh, Nimidity's, uh shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting experiment just to, just to see <laughs> what happens. You know, we did a show last week with my wife sitting in at Nimidity, and we had a running gag. We pretended that Jonesy was never a host, <laughs> and I just wanted to be there in the car with him listening to that episode where we <laughs> hammered the fact that there was no other host in the history of the show. I just wanted to be there to see his teeth grinding against each other. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't hear it in the lovely town of Bloomfield, New Jersey. Now his uh, Chevy Avalanche is totaled, so you do the math. <laughs> yeah. So was it worth it in the end? Redlining as he drove. <laughs> Rest in peace, Jonesy Chevy Avalanche. But we need to move on. We have another host. Silver Fox, VP of merch. He's out hopnopping in Boston with friends of the show. Uh, unbelievable. I don't know how this guy does it. He's got two kids. He probably just you know throws them in the back of the truck and he goes about his mm-hmm. business. Yeah. He just ties the big one to the little one and keeps on going. Right. And then just praise. Welcome back to the show, Phenom. Dale underscore A. I tell you, it's... Uh... It's a good support system in place. You know, it's if you have people to support you and to watch your kids and bear, maybe you pass them on their way to their car as you're approaching the house because they can't get out of the house fast enough, then, you know, it's just a loving environment. 
that everybody's in. But yes, I was in Boston with my wife. And we had a, a PK meetup, Boston 2, with the lovely Karate Chop and his wife up there. Mm-hmm. Amazing night. We went to we eat uh, pho, and there was a, a tampon in the parking lot. So, <laughs> Boston, Boston standing tall standing. for Dale underscore A's <laughs> visit. What is pho? What is that? Is that some kind of Thai? Is that some kind of... Yes, what is it's that? a Vietnamese uh, like soup. It's like a soup with um <laughs> with bean sprouts and you know chunks of meat you're on a vietnamese kick i feel like it's the last 3 or 4 it's just, weeks uh, I'm, the only thing you've ever done food no. you know location books food, it's vietnam the food is just a coincidence that it was just vietnam we we are big fans of pho we will eat it it's, would you move to vietnam if <laughs> if you had a like a job uh, pros, prospect popped up no, I would not move to Vietnam, no. VP of Vietnam. <laughs> Dale underscore A. VP of, uh, VP of Vietnam historian. <laughs> now, Jonesy, you were on a sabbatical for the past two weeks. We I relaunched was. the show. The all-new, all-different paper keg. And you went away for a period of time. You needed a break from the show, from your fans, the prestige. <laughs> Those you, cloying fans. Yeah, how was how was your time off away from the show? You became a listener essentially for two weeks. I did, and it, let me tell you, I was super impressed. I love Paper Cake Nights, so I was just blown away by that show. And uh, let me tell you, having a female perspective on Paper Cake Nights material, I'm glad I wasn't there. And I said that in the nicest way possible. And of mm-hmm. course, everybody just went, "We were too," and high fived each other as they trolled me, and I can't hear them. But that great episode. And uh, let me just say uh, that my two weeks away were harrowing. Mm. Harrowing. So I, I'm happy to be back. I, I was Twitter dark, phone dark, uh, you know, uh, hangout dark. I was all kinds of dark. I could not communicate with the outside world. They they actually required that I power down my cell phone uh, during each meeting. My gosh. That's what they Monsters. do at uh, Coincidence, so it's a, that's what they do at uh, strip clubs, too, Jonesy. Your <laughs> thoughts on your your comments. Also, my, th- yeah. <laughs> my thoughts on having the same rules as a, a gentleman's clubs. Side note, another location that also abides by those rules, Vietnam. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jonesy, how was the uh, pho out in Chicago? It was uh, It was pretty good. I, you know, I did, uh, I don't know, Slim, if you got a chance, I did get, uh, go to the Navy Pier. And that was pretty great. That was the only thing we really had time to see. We had like six hours of free time on Saturday. We had to go like in these two white military vans with the rest of the class. And we had to go as a group. We could either all go. We could either all go. Pantyhose over your face and then (laughs) throw you in the back of the van. I got waterboarded for a little bit. Uh, No, we could either all go or none of us went. So we all exhausted, got in these two passenger vans, went down the Navy Pier. Had lunch at Harry Carey's, and we're like, "Yeah, we got four more hours. What are we gonna do? We want to go see the the Bean. We want to go to Millennium Park." And we we're like, "Let's all go back and go to sleep, mm-hmm. since we have the time." So let me let me interject for a moment. We are doing the Nam for our book club today. Yes, total coincidence that it's Memorial Day. We're not that smart, if I can be blunt. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah, but, I didn't even put that together till just now. But I want to come back to Jonesy 
we're, you know, we'll, maybe we'll you're have to. maybe you're listening to the show and you're like, okay, this show's not terrible. I'm gonna stick with it. I want to find out more about this Jonesy loves beer jawbonesy mm, cat. God bless. And you're Why? wondering where he works, but we never say that. So you're you're not gonna get the payoff as to where Jonesy <laughs> went for two weeks. There is no payoff. It's just gonna be purposefully vague for another 200 episodes. I just uh, I don't feel comfortable revealing my workplace because of the size and scope and because of the role I play. Apple.com. Does that ring any bells to anybody? Infinity Loop. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? I think it's Infinite Loop. Inf- <laughs> oh, I'm not the employee. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. So I was, I follow Jonesy on the, the Up app. You know, we're tracking our step counts and our sleeps and our weights. But according to the, the Up app during your stay on this mystery trip, you only got like two and a half hours of sleep every night. Was that, that accurate? No, what that, happened is, that is super accurate. I. So what happened was you, you get uh, this class used to be three and a half weeks and it's condensed down to two. So what they don't cover, you get assigned as homework uh, and you have like six or eight assignments a night. But the team building part of this course is like you cannot like either you all get credit for your homework or if you're missing one person, the home, you get no credit. So like you're you're in a team of five people and you're really responsible for one another. So you know I was placed with a team that that you know some of them were younger guys struggled with stuff like business letters. What's your team uh, name? Uh, our 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 team name was the Next Day Bears. Moving on, we gotta day. we gotta move on. <laughs> <laughs> Jonesy's closed his eyes as he said that because he knew there would just be no. <laughs> Yeah, the no turning stop. back. I, it was, and I, I <laughs> there was the point of no return. I should have said some cool like the top gunners. Or, that was even worse. <laughs> God. So anyway. Yeah. So two and a half hours of sleep was pretty much my average. Boy, I hope that app really chastised you for that. Oh, the coach would not let me go. They're like, hey, you need at one point it was like you should go to bed at six forty eight tonight in order to catch up on your sleep debt. <laughs> my like, God, Thanks, my word. All right, we need to we need to move on. This is a paper cake podcast, all new, all different. After the book club, we'll read your letters, and then we'll we'll get into some other stuff that we read this week. Maybe Jonesy read, you know, I don't know what you had time for, Jonesy. The honestly. back of a shampoo bottle, pretty much manifestos. It's likely. Manifestos. <laughs> uh, Jonesy, could you please bring us into the name? You are. Uh, private first class Ed Marks, and you are being drafted and sent to the name Vietnam, the war. Hmm. Okay. It ain't me. Hmm. So there you find yourself as a new recruit in a twenty third infantry infantry company, fresh, wet behind the ears, blonde hair, blue eye American boy. In the swamps, jungles, and bullet storms that are Vietnam. And Ed Marks becomes our gateway, our first-person view of this basically different planet from the one we know uh, in the name. And throughout the 10 issues of the first volume, uh, you grow alongside uh, Marks. You basically you learn how corrupt... Uh, both the U.S. and the Viet Cong and the Vietnamese allies really are. 
you learn a lot about uh, what really makes that war economy tick, and you lose a lot of friends and respect along the way. Uh, each issue picks off one month uh, after the previous issue ends, so you really get a 10-month snapshot of Marx as he moves, uh, I would say, perpendicularly through the ranks of uh, 23rd Infantry. And by the end of it, really learns what it means to be a uh, Vietnam soldier. Uh, The Nam, one of the most intriguing, realistic, even though it's juxtaposed with cartoonish art, and breadth of perspective-enhancing books I've read in a long time. Wow. Man. Man, oh man. bringing it home with the Nam. Now, Dale, you, you, you jumped into the Nam uh, mouth first a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yes, I did. And now, did you had, had you gone th- through the first 10 issues then as we did tonight or was this like a second uh go around for you or was this the first time you got that far yeah this is the first time i got that far i read about the first three issues when i talked about it on paper keg a few weeks back and i went back and reread those issues as well just to get a different you know a fresh look on it and hot off of reading about three books based on the war since then I it gave me like a new a way better love and appreciation for the the comic and the so Doug Murray wrote this and he was a an infantryman and or no he was he was in Vietnam I think he was some sort of uh he tested out rockets or radar I think but and Larry Hama editor is a Vietnam vet and the, they just went about making a no, you know, a no BS real. They try to stay as real as possible, real look on Vietnam, and it's just what they, what I feel they accomplished was just. I mean, it was amazing, especially if you just if you don't know anything about the Vietnam conflict, if you know a little bit or anything. It's just. I don't know. It's just really, really great and really real. I mean, <clears throat> the stories in the book are based all based on true enough stories. They all didn't happen to one person, so he, you know, he may not have a, a soldier may not have dealt with a corrupt top sergeant. But um, I don't know. I, I have. I'm just. I'm currently like. I don't know what the word is, but I'm obsessing over the Vietnam War right now. And you're, you're living in a Vietnamissance, <laughs> I think. Yes. Yeah, and this comic, I mean, it just, what from what I know from reading the books that I have read, it was just very on point. Like, just the details of the stories and the people and the visual clues and Michael Golden's art is just like love me some Michael Golden. The his, it was a weird it was a weird fit for the book, I will say. 
and I guess the whole era is is interesting because it's Marvel Comics and it's not like yeah, it's not really R rated. It's kind of PG thirteen, and even then, it's not really PG thirteen because you know what, um, what can they put in a book in this era of Marvel Comics? It's going to be earth shattering, and maybe this was earth shattering at the time. But I guess this will lead into my thoughts in the book where I actually really didn't connect with me at all. And I put the blame solely on Fury Max. <laughs> Fury Max has ruined, ruined everything else for you. Every other war book pre Fury Max, I think. Would it or surprise ma- you to know that this book outsold X Men in its debut month? Really? Yeah. That would surprise me. Although, what, what, I wonder what era of X Men this was around then. Um, but yeah, whatever. I don't know what that is. The um, the time frame of like the book was interesting, and Larry Hama was the editor, and he you know he really had his hands all over this book. But the you know when it's a it took, I guess Ultimate Universe pretty much took a cue from the the Nam where thirty days pass between every issue in real time, and thirty days also passing the comic book. So it's not like it's like part one or part two of books. Like when you come back to issue three to four 30 days passed in the lives of these soldiers which mm-hmm. i thought was really awesome and i think larry mentioned that he wanted to do that so that he could tell the length of the entire war which i guess he theorized would take eight years but i don't know what it was maybe you know obviously i think i think i'm really just screwed with fury max because it's so amazing and it's one of my top five books of all time but going to read like the first stepping stone in Marvel at this time. Like this probably was like everyone saying, Holy crap, this is like nothing like that's out in comics right now. But for me, I'm just so spoiled and like it didn't, I didn't feel like the writing was as on point as some other war books I'd read. But you know, again, this, this probably set off a bunch of those war books in that era. So this started it like none of those books would have come without this. Mm -hmm. And I think it was no more apparent than the scene where, is it Marks, like our, our main character? Yeah. Um, yes. They go to see the movies, or the movie, and they're like getting bombed like, you know, 200 yards away. And the soldiers, the older soldiers are like, just, just stay here. They're not going to come over here. And there's a, there's a gorgeous like moment where Marks is looking at the monitor and his face is, he's looking at the theater, like the screen. So it's like reflecting blue on his face. And it's four panels of just his face. And the second panel, he turns to the explosion, so his face is red. And he turns back. Um, And then the final panel is him, you know, giving in and looking at the movie, which was gorgeous and well done. But he has, like, a sentence at the end where he's like, oh, well, I I guess I better have to get used to this. But that Mm -hmm. sentence didn't need to be there. Like, they could have just done that entire sequence in just visual storytelling, and it would have been gorgeous. And I feel like the, that's a that's a overall feel that I had for the book, where there were moments where storytelling and, and you know, not literal text could have told mm-hmm. the story for me, but it didn't quite hit, like, the upper echelon of writing for me. Yeah, I, I view it as, like, what you, what you just mentioned, and there were there were a lot of instances like that where it's almost like, the character voiced something that was so obvious, but it almost like that was their way to move on to the next beat in the story. Like mm-hmm. that was the only way that they knew how to tell the story or to move along in a in a fashion, I guess, to keep it all contained in one issue. 
I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And it was, it was very obvious. And that, and I could see why you would be spoiled by something like Fury Max. Yeah. In that instance, I've, I've tried to view it more like a, um, just like an educational piece, but for pure story, like to, to get immersed it i guess it probably doesn't hold up i don't know like like you said i don't know what it would have been for the time it felt it feels very um of the era of of any other 80s book we read like the um the monologuing and stuff like that i guess it's pretty on point f- as far as storytelling as that goes but the i mean i guess the only thing to compare i mean i might be totally wrong but at the time you'd have like gi joe comics yeah, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. The, I mean, the the reason this is probably so exciting is this is an adult version of GI Joe, right? And I don't mean adult as in you know being sexualized, but like you could give your kid GI Joe, and you could turn around and pick up the nom, and you could be reading the same stuff by ostensibly the same people, and but you'd be getting a totally different story out of it. Uh, I do, I do agree with you with. Um, the kind of fishing style of the storyline to kind of pull it along. And that being said, my favorite issue was the total breakaway when they tell the origin of that um, South Vietnamese ranger that defected. Mm-hmm. The Kit Carson. Uh, and w- yeah, why they defected to uh, to the American side. And you know, I, I kind of felt like Dale for a second. Like I was learning some like incredible fact that I would have never learned otherwise, and this comic book was teaching it to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then for that reason, uh, what I got out of it personally, that was by far my favorite issue. So I think I accepted a lot of that writing in that issue because the overall product was so good mm-hmm. yeah. and had such an impact on me that I kind of forgave a lot of its mistakes. And I And I also do think that that writing was probably encouraged in the 80s because you know we we accept now in 2015 you know there's a level of, of acceptance that there's an intelligence out there reading uh comics and things should be done more for art than really explanation or or exposition in a story and maybe that just didn't exist in the late 80s for writers so maybe they submitted it without that line mm-hmm. and somebody in editorial was like you should probably you know, kind of hit that more on the nose because you don't know if somebody is going to be reading this and understanding what you're trying to put on the page. So I, I don't know if I have forgiveness in my heart for that that kind of storytelling because the NAM is so great that I can forgive its mistakes or that I, I kind of see where the writers maybe had to put signposts in the story. Yeah, I, you you nailed it. Jonesy, I think you pretty much nailed it. Like I, oh, I overlooked mm, or accepted just a lot because of the, the story they were trying to jam in each and each and every issue. And 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 like like I said, maybe it's more because I was paying attention to the little visual details of the story this time around because I'm so like dialed into the war at this point. And I don't want, and I, don't, I hope that doesn't sound like pompous or something. But I'm just so, I'm just so like more educated now than I ever, ever than I ever thought I could have been before. That to see this product 
it's it's like it's something to be proud of to see how good they they were actually able to get something in a monthly periodical like this and that's not a movie or a documentary but it's they use this comic medium to try and convey what it was like in Vietnam at the time and it's less about less about like you know a single issue story and more just the fact that this is may have what uh, this may have been what a soldier dealt with in one month in Vietnam yeah the and and I think sorry sorry Matt um and I just think that if somebody wasn't as probably as somebody that's not as interested would be looking more for like the story aspects and obviously and then obviously that would definitely uh ring differently for you know that person yeah, the choice of Michael Golden, I, I'm super curious how they decided upon him and where what stage of this his career this was because, you know, at first glance, if I was the editor of this book, I probably wouldn't have chosen Michael Golden's art. And I love Michael Golden. You know, really? his stuff in the later years mm-hmm. is amazing. But I almost felt like it was almost maybe too cartoonish. or But, you know, I could be way off base, but because, like, you know, Will Eisner's stuff is could be considered cartoonish but realistic but i wonder you know what their their mission was like to to put together the the form mm-hmm. of this book you know they ha- you have the seasoned you have a writer who's experienced it and i guess i think michael golden also experienced it but i wonder if like you know they they set a tone for the book or they just felt like you know michael golden's lived it so let's let's bring him aboard we like his art i i really thought it was you know the the art is not always cartoony to the extreme, uh, but there are definite moments where they let the cartoonish nature of the art pop, and for me they kind of felt like like breaths of fresh air, like they were almost trying to come up from air with from a serious storyline, and then mm-hmm. maybe right at the peak of that or right at the end they just made it a little cartoony, just be like hey you know like. You can you can step out of it for a second. This is just a comic book, and then you just go right back into it. And maybe that was their you know their release valve for what they considered at the time probably a, a very serious story that no one else was telling or would tell. Yeah, I think. And Slim, you said um, you brought up Will Eisner, and I immediately thought that because in such a serious tone, Michael Golden nailed. I mean, the, the the fact that I could easily make out every one of the characters in the book each and every time, I think, just impressed me more than any other piece of art. Like, it was so... Each character was so caricatured that there was no mistaking who each and every person was, and I, I thought that did, gr- that did wonders for the book. I mean, there were definite... Um, each... Pe- there's something happening that you have to pay attention to in each and every panel. And there were panels that you're sh- kind of struggling to figure out what exactly is going on in the, uh, in the storytelling because, you know, the panel after there, there could be some great effect to the cause, which happened in the previous panel. And you kind of have to stare at it and look at it three or yeah. four times to figure out what was so important in that panel. I noticed that too, and it was as I was reading. I noticed that he stuck to like the nine 
panel three by three by three format in almost every page. And because of that format, like I I missed a ton of stuff Mm -hmm. where whether it was like someone's like picking out a grenade, like in the corner of the previous panel and there being an explosion. I wonder, you know, that stuff was really interesting to me because it challenged like how I read a comic book because there was so much detail in the previous panels that if I'm reading at my normal clip, like I'm totally lost Mm -hmm. because of how he tried to structure those pages in that format. I don't know if it was on purpose, like that he stuck to that format, but I really had to like change the way I read to make sure that I caught every single detail because he skipped around a lot. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't make it easy for you to, um, understand what was happening just by a quick glance at the page at all yeah there were several 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 instances of that and it was like if you look at the panel you skip right by it you just think it's some scenery in the jungle and then if you then you read the next panel and maybe somebody's under fire you got to go back to that panel and kind of like make out uh you know the the pinpoint or the very tip of a gun sticking out of the bush and then you figure out, oh, there's, you know, there's a bunker in there and somebody is sticking their gun out and shooting at the soldiers. Like, but you had to go back and pay attention to what was mm-hmm. happening. How about that issue of the guy, um, the rat guy, that he would go down into the little um, tunnels oh, to oh, flush yeah. them out and then he ended up like going crazy? The best line of that issue is, uh, for those of you who are not going to read, so they send this, like, this tunnel jockey. Uh, so Vietnam, there's a tunnel underground, a total underground network throughout most villages where the uh, Viet Cong hid. So the U.S. and combined forces would drop, uh, like basically your smaller stature guys to run through these tunnels, you know, with a couple of pistols and f- either flush out the enemy or kill what they could. So this one uh, gentleman. Uh, finds a steel door, kicks it open, and it's full of rats. And it's so gruesome, and it's so shocking, and he has such a uh, a feeling of um, claustrophobia with these rats that he his mind snaps in that moment. So he scurries out of this hole, and he's not, like, he can't get it together. And his XO is like, you have to go back in. And he's like, no. And there's like, you understand, I'm giving you a direct order. And the guy is so uh, bereft, he just takes out his pistol and shoots his, his XO <laughs> oh, so that they can't send him back in. So basically the guy goes, you know, and MP takes him. He's going to be in Leavenworth for the rest of his life, but he can't go back in that hole and see those rats. I mean, and I'm sure that was based on a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that one of those guys knew that story it was an, or it was an urban legend you know, in Vietnam at the time of the war, we got that, uh, you know, secondhand in a comic book. That was an amazing issue. Yeah, can you imagine just like Doug Murray or Larry Hama, maybe they heard it second or third hand, but right. they they come to the point in their lives 20, 20 years, 15 years later after coming home, and they're like, you know what, this I have a chance to tell this story in comic form, I'm going to do it. It's maybe. just, they just... Uh, just the visual clues, it, it was just really, really great to see how right everything was with, like, from the soldiers sleeping under mosquito nets because that was a thing that they had to do and the, uh, you know, the popping the right color smoke and then the helicopter pilot reporting what color it is just in case, you know. Oh, there was another uh, issue, like a portion of the issue where 
they're visiting the um i think saigon Mm -hmm. and our man keeps like giving out you know cases of cigarettes or candy to these kids and another guy like scolds him about how that is like you're destroying their economy by just giving that stuff away. Like us coming into town and paying them or giving them away or like having a trade with some of our items, you know, this is how this city works. And if you're not playing by those rules, you're like setting things aflame by that. I thought it was a really interesting uh, telling of the events there. Yeah. That was the, what I, that was issue 10, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was nine or 10. I thought that, uh, that Marx really goes through maybe his biggest transition. He had just lost one of his comrades that he had picked up in issue three or four. Um, he was killed. And so Marx is kind of like, he's not on a bender, but he's definitely off in his own world. Like he, he realizes now what the, the stakes are. And you know, this though, one guy slim was talking about the, uh, the guy who says, you know, no trade or, or you have to sell it to them. Because if you don't, you're going to ruin the economy. Well, yeah, they're kind of like going through an alley, and they come upon the guy, and you know they're they're in a situation with the prostitute, and Marx kind of loses it and beats the guy up a little bit, and then turns around. There's a kid who, like, obviously a destitute child, who asks for a chocolate bar, and he's like, "Here, take it, enjoy it." Mm-hmm. So like he like he won't let Vietnam get him. You know, that he town, makes that, that town, per- everyone in that town died the next day because he gave away <laughs> the chocolate. <laughs> Stay tuned for issue 11. For issue 11. Yeah. But I, I thought it was, I mean, that was a very poignant way to to show us that Marx, even though he understands the stakes, he's not going to let Vietnam claim his soul. Mm-hmm. He's not going to give that away. So, uh, I mean, the, the storytelling, the, symbol, the symbolism is always very near the surface in the Nam. I mean, it's not, and that way it's not like Fury Max or it's not like a, a newer story where you'd have to really contemplate the message you were they were trying to get. And a lot of modern writers do it so you can kind of take away your own message. You know, that's not it that's not here in the Nam. The Nam is telling you the morality play of these stories as it's going on. And I guess because I'm so used to the way they do it now, I found it totally refreshing when reading this series. Right on, man. I agree. Does Larry Hama eventually take over writing duties, or does he just stay as editor? Uh, know? I don't completely know. I think he stays as editor, but I'm not completely sure, because I know uh, Doug Murray stays on until at least the 40s or 50s. He might go all the way, but this lasted a long time, but I know at some point they took it in a different direction, and it kind of st- they made it more comic booky and I know the Punisher made a started making appearances like they certainly turned it into more of an entertaining mm. thing and and they let, and they shied away from the realism of it but I'd like I'm That's very interested to see when when they took it there and why they took it there and how they took it there maybe we can get uh who is who's the friend of the show that always writes in with like the be- deep backstory of the book club that we do is that Paul Puck or is that I think it's Gary else? Gar- uh, might be Gary. Gary, somebody. Sinise. Gary Sinise. Yeah, and he he was obviously in Forrest Gump. Snake so. Eyes. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was. Yeah, he played okay. the guy. He was with a Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, that's Come right. On. I I, I almost second guessed myself and was thinking Greg Kinnear. <laughs> what? Greg Kinnear. 
Even Jonesy was taken aback. <laughs> oh, Jonesy. <laughs> Jonesy was stunned. He was aghast. He was in the Vietnam movie We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. So, oh, so I remember that scene in We Were Soldiers where the one guy is like pulling his buddy out of the wreckage and his his skin on his leg comes off. And oh. He's just like pulling the skin down his bony legs. Mm-hmm. Not to uh, not to get super morbid, but the on Netflix there's a there's the show called the Vietnam in HD. It's from the History Channel. Uh-huh. And that scene, that movie was based on real life experiences. And the reporter, Joe Galloway, was in episode two of that. And he tells that story, man. And he just breaks down on screen. He's like, that man is in my nightmares. That man oh, is my nightmare. God. I want to, how is that documentary? Because I, during our entire show so far, I've been thinking about I've, a vague memory of someone recommending a Vietnam Netflix show. It's it was probably Dale like two weeks ago probably, on Hangouts. Like two minutes ago probably. It's really amazing. I mean the they each episode focuses on a different kind of story, but they I mean they just intersect with like facts about the war and it's it's just really remarkable. Hmm. Maybe after after tonight I'm gonna go sit on the couch and mm-hmm. have some pizza goldfish and watch Vietnam. Oh, you're talking my language. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it The name. We got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them To you Letters at paperkeg.com You wanna write us a letter We might read it on the air uh, our first letter comes to us from a uh, true friend of the show. Uh, he writes, uh, With both Chris Evans' contract and RDJ's aging body quickly approaching expiration, uh, <laughs> seriously, the guy is starting to look a bit elderly. Iron Lung Man? <laughs> no, what am I saying? My word. Uh, it got me thinking, how do you think Marvel can best deal with death in their ever-evolving, ever-connected cinematic universe? Thanks for always being a bright part of my day. Sincerely, Thomas Vine. Uh, He writes, disclaimer, I want to clarify that my review of the following FCBD comic is in no way meant to be offensive to anyone or anything except subpar writing. So you know this is going to be a good listener lightning round. Uh, And this is The Pride by Joe Glass and Gavin Mitchell. He writes, uh, and this is this is a little above the lightning round. I think this is like nine sentences, but I'll, I'll try to be brief. <clears throat> the Pride sets out to tell the origin story of the first LGBT ensemble superhero group as headed by their flamboyant crusader, Stephen Wainwright, and seeks to place him in the hallowed halls of such heroes of diversity as Miles Morales, Kamala Khan, and Catherine Kane. However, with each hero and villains on the nose, if not mildly offensive monikers such as White Trash, Fab Man, <laughs> The Bear, Twink, and the shadowy antagonist following the orders of a man holding a Bible surrounded by crosses known simply as The Basher, I can't tell which is more lacking in the world created by the writer, tolerance or nuance. My word. My heavens. Maybe, I... maybe the book is supposed to be satire. Uh, I've actually never read The Pride, so I can't really. It's it's come across as satirical just in that review. Hmm. Both were uh, very satirical, maybe. 
comic mm. book in that maybe he maybe this is some kind of mind game where he himself is satirizing oh satirical books Jonesy psychoanalyzing Jeez. every nook and cranny of every social interaction real sick of you Thomas Vine so what what's going to happen once the the corpse body of RDJ finally turns to ash Gen Z loves beer. What's happening? Uh, look, I don't think they're going to kill anybody in the MCU just because they don't. I don't think they're going to want to convolute what they already have, like they do in comics. I mean, I don't. I think we're we'll never see a Marvel universe reboot in our lifetimes, I so know. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I do think. Are you here first? Uh, I do think they're they're going to give Thor, Cap, and Iron Man. Uh, long breaks and maybe they'll be reduced the more cameo status than they will than they are now but I think even at Agent Ultron we saw a shift in how uh, the main storyline is going to go we're we're getting a lot of second string characters into this main universe and I think you're going to see much like a comic book you know maybe Avengers 6 Thor is only featured for you know four or five minutes as calling in the big guns Versus having a main plot line. And I think Cap uh, will at some point turn the shield over to Bucky and then, you know, only come back as needed. Because, yeah. you can, I mean, the the price tag of keeping these people on for film after film after film is, ha, has to be astronomical. I hope Kevin Feige is taking notes at Gen Z's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. speech here. I saw, yeah, screen, I saw photos of uh, Civil War filming and they got everybody in that. It might as well be Avengers 3. Uh, mm. Even Paul Rudd mm. was on set. Mm. Mm. Paul Rudd, Scarlet Witch, you know, Foul Cap was there. Obviously not <laughs> his cap, but... Yet. You loved Age of Ultron, Jonesy, isn't that right? I did. I, I absolutely adored it. Mm. Very good. It was the... It was the. I love movies that don't have the origin story in the way, yet can still find a way to be good. I mean, we didn't have to have the Avengers assembling in this movie, but it was still good. I mean, I don't think it was... I don't think I left it with that same feeling of awe that I had in the first Avengers, but I I really dug it. And I think it's a perfect, like, connector, connective tissue between the old Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and and what's obviously going to be a new direction. It's a, you know, they needed this movie to connect... The dots and it, it made it work. I liked it. There's nothing more frightening. My my ultimate fears were realized where they had Ultron's mouth movements replicate <laughs> that of the creepiest mouth movements in humankind of James Spader. There's no need for that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was too much. Age of laughs. Avengers it was a, it was a comedy. Age I'll of age of quivering lips. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being the CGI engineer tasked with, I need you to watch a thousand hours of James Spader's mouth and make <laughs> mm-hmm. Ultron do that? That, that guy, probably that guy is probably in, a mental, he's probably in a mental <laughs> ward right now. <laughs> Especially anything uh, from Blacklist. I mean, that's just too much. It's he just watched <laughs> the movie Wolf over and over again for like four days straight. He probably watched Endless Love and just used that footage. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, remember that? The bohemian lifestyle he was living? 
He's probably a deleted scene where he just makes uh, Tom's rear end come on to Ultron at one point. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> next letter is from our uh, good friend at Under an Anchor on Twitter, Sean Gregory Miller. Hey, guys. I thought I'd pop in with a quick suggestion. A while ago, two friends of mine got into a heated but friendly argument over Frank Miller's Holy Terror. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard that it's one of those love-it-or-hate-it kind of books. Lately, it's, it seems like all the book club choices have been something you've all liked. Nothing at all wrong with that, but I thought it'd be fun to hear a good old-fashioned PK debate. Have you guys done Holy Terror yet? If not, if not that one, maybe a jaunt down memory lane to revisit Transmet. <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is I sometimes (laughs) I guess what I'm getting at is I sometimes miss the book club being book club book being called hot garbage or being used to press turd flowers as much as I love to hear what books I should be buying I love to hear what books I should stay away from you know either way the show's great love you bibs P.S. Dale I always give you credit for turd flowers whenever I'm able to use it effectively in conversation. Sent from my big A iPhone 6 Plus. Hashtag tech smoke. Uh, thank you for... Uh, thank you for bringing up Transmet again. Uh, Sean Gregory Miller. I mean... Also, I should point out that uh, Sean Miller's Etsy shop just got an amazing Hulk print for my son's room. It's gorgeous. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah, he does good stuff over there. He uh he d- he participated in some uh pitch to DC for um like a reimagining of Jimmy Olsen and it's like Jimmy Olsen's pal <laughs> Superman or something. The or Super- yeah, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Uh, it's pretty adorable looking. Yeah. The um well, next week we have a book that could divide the show. Asterios Polyp mm. will be our book club. What is that? You'll find out. Did Catcher? It's the transmet of, of the decade. <laughs> I believe that is the book with David Mazzucchelli, uh post his comic book career and getting really uh, mm. oh, into boy. his art. Really in the LSD? Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see if there's an LSD quotient that I'm not aware of. All right, next letter. From the mighty Paul Puck. He writes, hello, gents and lady, or all gents, if Amanda is back mocking Slam off mic. (laughs) I have missed Jonesy, but Amanda is more than capable of a fill-in. More than capable, he says. I love a regular guest feature where Amanda gives us a list of her top star rated comics or a blog even. My wife told me she needed something to read and I offered her a tray paperback the other day. You'd have thought I offered to poo on her. (laughs) Now the important questions. A Radiolab podcast said the earliest known parchment has the number of the beast in Revelations as 616. If Marvel Earth 616 is destroyed in Secret Wars, is that the herald of the end of our Earth? Is Jonesy actually in a government bunker to help repopulate the world post-apocalypse? <laughs> Paul Puck. P.S. Hold me down. I'm frightened. What a, I mean, what, a, what a future where 
the one man the secret society looks to repopulate Earth is Jonesy Loves Beer. Like, we need people that really can't see, can't hear a whole bunch. Their skin can't take any kind of light. That's what we need to survive the apocalypse. Oh, boy. What? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Listen, I'd love Paul Puck. I would love for Amanda to have her own blog and her own podcast. I'm trying to get her rolling on her own podcast. I want to be in a world where I'm sitting on the couch and she's recording a show. And I'm having no part of it. You know? It's my dream Could be Paper world. Cake 3.0 here. The next level, the all new, all new. The uncanny paper cake. <laughs> there you go. We'll, uh, we'll make sure that's in iTunes right next to Paper Cake West. <laughs> You'll be able to find it. <laughs> paper Cake what? Does anyone remember that Paper Cake West? Oh, memories. Is that it? That's uh, that's all okay. the letters. It's all she wrote. Good times. Lansbury, Jessica. Yeah. Oh boy, ten percent battery on my phone. Ooh. Hope we have enough for Ooh. the next show that we do. Spoilers. Whoops. Next week. We're polyps. The award winning. I think the uh the Nationalistics and the Editorials both have won awards, too. Jonesy, your thoughts on music-winning awards. Is that... Are you trolling me right now? Why would I know anything about the National... Nas- what was it? Stop it. You guys just troll-trap me right now into something. I don't even know what it is, but you got me both. Any, I don't have any part of it. But I, uh, I enjoy music in all of their forms, and I wish those two groups the best success. You know, if you enjoy Paper Keg, the all-new, all-different, uncanny Paper Keg, give us a review on iTunes if that's your bag. Mm. Tell your friends. We'll see everybody next week. sound of video quality of this Hangouts has held up all episode. Yeah, you were rattling some Google cages for the past few weeks. Maybe it's finally paying off. Well, they know. They want to uh, make me upset. (laughs) They've never seen me very upset. Kittredge, (laughs) you've never seen me very upset. How far are are we away from that one? Oh, my God. Can't wait. Mm. See that was ninety six. Mm. Mm. This was, mm. I mean, this, the next episode of in a podcast vampire we do when it uh, when we do it was what eighty three. Mm. Mm. We'll mail him his clothes.
I mean, that's the golden age of Tom Cruise films. Nine, you know, late nineties, early to mid two thousands. It's a renaissance <laughs> of Tom Cruise filmography. It's ne- it could never be replicated. It might never be witnessed in the history of cinema. Nope. Nope. With o- with only with any hope, uh, fifteen years, twenty years down the road, Marvel Comics releases a realistic comic about that time. You know. <laughs> really tries to replicate and show people what it was like. I mean, I remember one of my first weeks at West Coast Video, Vanilla Sky came out on VHS and DVD. Let's just, I mean, Jerry Maguire, 96. Mm. Skip over Eyes Wide Shut. I've actually never finished that one. Magnolia. Vanilla Sky. Minority Report. Mm. The Last Samurai. Oh, stop. Collateral. You know, War of the Worlds, uh, Mission Impossible 3. I was just on yesterday. Oh, yeah? I'm not going to lie to you right now. I watched the first day. Don't you ever lie to me. And then we, we'll skip it a, a few years, and then we'll, we'll kick off the second Tom Renaissance, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, mm. Jack Oblivion? Reacher. Reacher? Oh, yeah. Jack Reacher, Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, and now Rogue Nation. I mean, you just can't. You can't. You just can't. You can't. I mean, that guy never taps the brakes. He hasn't tapped the brakes since his uh, first appearance in Endless Love, where the guy showed his A-cheeks mounting a young Bridget Fonda. (laughs) With her mother watching in awe. Lovingly. With her her Bahamian mother watching and having (laughs) weed and jazz parties with uh, high school kids. She wanted to put that doobie right in between Tom's (laughs) A-cheeks. I mean... She probably was thinking about whipping out her palette and her paints and drawing little <laughs> eyeballs on <laughs> those cheekers. <laughs> Getting her tuba friend and her uh, Duke Ellington <laughs> trumpet playing <laughs> jazz. <laughs> I hate that. I don't even know. Let's review that movie again. <laughs> When we're in Lancaster, we'll we'll bring a VHS of Endless Love to watch late at night. You know, you know, any vacation home we've ever stayed in together has a VHS player, so you know. <laughs> and a VHS of Endless Love. Yes. <laughs> Second annual uh, Lancaster PK. Paper keg meetup. <laughs> Internal paper keg meetup only. Only because there's no bars that stay open past... Uh, 8 p.m. 15. <laughs> Do they even have bars in Amish country? No, you know why not in Lancaster, Tri-County, I think. Only smorgasbords, where you have to eat 15 pounds of eggs and bacon before you can leave. <laughs> right, get your money's worth. They actually put you on a scale. <laughs> <laughs> but but remember just the butter in those crocs, the, the butter squeezed out of pastry bags? For our pleasure. I don't know if I could eat like that. I mean, I haven't eaten like that in so long. Like, what's going to happen to my body? <laughs> it's okay. Are we show, gonna say, show me the way. It's gonna be. It's gonna be wild times. Yeah, I think. I think the will of the paper keg hosts will be tested during that weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, all you can eat butter might not fly <laughs> this time around. Uh, you might as well just not even oh. get me in there. Just don't even I'm let me walk in. <laughs> 
you're going to have to run in and get the Amish romance novels for me and bring them back out to the car because I <laughs> yeah, cannot be allowed novels. in the shady there, maple smorgasbord. There is a influx of trashy romance novels in Lancaster. I don't know where when it happened. It could be happening forever, but this is the first time it's being sold in publications. Yeah, they probably pass be. around parchment that sits 616 on it. A, a yeah. scroll, the mark of the beast. <laughs> the mark of the Amish sex beast. That's our new podcast <laughs> coming up. <laughs> Where we just review Amish romance novels. Uh, Welcome everyone to the Mark of the Amish Sex Beast <laughs> episode one. She ravaged him this, over the this... potato hash. <laughs> <laughs> this one comes to us from uh, Prin, Prin Stewart, uh, you know. Sister Hetty. Classic, classic Sister Hetty vibe to this one, mm-hmm. guys. Oh, yeah. Farmer John Proctor. What a show. It's good what to be that? back. Scarlet Letter, John Proctor. I can't it's great to that. be back. Does our, does our house this year have a jacuzzi? Do they have jacuzzis in uh, Lancaster? I think, uh, I think your lovely bribe was the one that orchestrated it all, so you need to be looking oh, boy. in that other room, friend. Oh, boy. Yeah, I did witness the uh, receipt exchange last year, so... You oversaw the receipt exchange? <laughs> you had your little Something poker visor? Parade. Love me some poker visors. <laughs> we, should, we should get a card game going while we're out there. I can't stand playing cards. Yeah. Oh, good. Terrible. Good to know. Yeah, as long as uh, Slim has battery on his phone. I was dating... Someone that brought me to a poker party, and I wanted to kill oh, myself. Jeez, that sounds like a terrible time. I wanted to just fall over with my head on the traffic and just let <laughs> let God's wrath take over. Guess that's not the right time to talk about my gambling problem. <laughs> <laughs> you won't get any support <laughs> here. Worst probable, like if I am invited to somewhere and I go, and there's just like five poker tables, and there's baseball games on. Like that's it. I oh would, man, I would pray that my body spontaneously combust into ash. <laughs> but that's just me, guys. Right, right, yeah. right. We got another show to record. We got to get going here. Yeah, spoilers. we got spoilers. Uh, spoilers. Should we stay live and do it that one too? Because it's Memorial Day. No, we don't have to. I shouldn't have said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we could if you wanted. I mean this. This this is live, but I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna put it up on the channel. I'm just gonna hide it. So Where? Once, I mean, do we have any watchers right now? We do. We got a lot right now. The numbers is it, is a it lot. One? The numbers are in Gen Z. It's a lot. We we all know that I don't understand numbers. 